for tuning in to the 378th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and the show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app platform you may be listening to me via being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always, going to have a special pod for you guys, going to have Chris Connor on the pod, he covers the New Orleans Pelicans for the Bird Rights, we have a great conversation, we talk about Zion, we also talk about Lonzo Ball leading, uh, being let go by the Pelicans as well as Drew Holiday, kind of the organizational structure of the Pelicans as well, but a really interesting and in-depth conversation on Zion, what's going on with them, because I know that's been a conversation going around in the NBA world, so I know everybody is going to enjoy that. Now before we get to that, I want to do this. Shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Red Threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you listen to me via Spotify. I have every segment of the podcast timestamped. It is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nighttrain underscore lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl and you will find it. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, they give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, it's like, how could that happen? But let's say on the odd chance you don't, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Chris Connor on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Chris Connor with us. He covers the New Orleans Pelicans for the Bird Rights. How you doing, man? So the first thing I have to ask you is, what's up with Zion? So there's been a lot made of, does he want to be in New Orleans? Does he not want to be in New Orleans? Is he out of shape? He's hurt. Like, so from your opinion, your vantage point, what is going on with Zion? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's, it's a multitude of things. You know, uh, I think he has a lot, a lot going on for a 21-year-old that had a lot of expectations ever since he, you know, he was in high school playing basketball. And I mean, for a guy that's that's from a you know a little city in South Carolina, um, yeah, man. I mean, I think that things have, they just haven't gotten off to the start that, that anyone really anticipated. That um, between media persuasion and family family persuasion and the the, the start of losing and injuries and front office, you know, controversy, different coaches, this. 
it's been a it's been a bad mixture of a of a start for a guy that that, that is really competitive and wants to go out there and win on top of having uh, you know some struggles with his own you know with injuries and weight and so on and so forth. Um, it's hard to really tell you what's going on, man. I I think you know we you know the only thing that you know that we know is that uh, at some point we do know that he will play basketball again. And I mean I can't foresee a situation now whether that's going to be good or bad for the franchise and Zion's future that he ends up not signing that max deal or you know the first after the you know, the rookie extension. And then you know you have to see where they go from here. But but in regards to him, it's hard to tell. You know, he keeps things pretty pretty close to the vest. And outside of his family and a few different stories that, that have come out, there's really not much from him to really know exactly what he's thinking or how he's feeling. So I mean we'll see. Hopefully he gets healthy really soon and we can hear him see him on the floor again. And we'll have a better idea of what things stand. And when you mention a lot going on, that kind of sounds to me like you know he's being pulled into a lot of different directions and he's a, and he's a young kid so that you, you know th- that's hard to deal with do you think maybe possibly that maybe what you're saying is he wasn't ready for the nba just like mentally just socially just to handle all these different things that are kind of expected of him well i don't think i don't think he was ready for the for the disappointment that came with it you know i mean some people you know it's just i zion's not he's a if you know him he's a really really happy guy he's happy or lucky always smiling and, you know, he hasn't had to deal with a lot of a lot of people really doubting him or, you know, or, or, or criticizing him in the way in which he's had to deal with. I mean, ever since, uh, I mean, it's been talked about for years now. I mean, he was, he was one of the, one of the, I mean, he has videos online that, uh, you know, for all of his life is still, you know, set records from when he was on his way to do. So, I mean, he kind of, he kind of caught on fire. I mean, you know, we got to, we got to remember that Zion was the best player coming out of his class in high school, you know, so um, it's not like a situation where where like a LeBron James, even though those were the comparisons to where you know, from LeBron's sophomore year and on, people expected him to be great so, I mean, and no one is really ready for that pressure, but at least at least this, these expectations were there from, you know, I mean from 14, 15 years old, it kind of hit Zion at a, at a spot where he didn't have, even through the uh, the media publications that we're talking about. Everybody was in a bathe and the comparisons were there. It was all good. It was all happy. It was all smiles. But now he's faced early on with um, the criticism that people of his, with, with his gifts don't normally get so early. Um, and it's just, I think, you know, it's tough. It's tough uh, considering that uh, he wants to win. He's a competitor. He's surrounded by some of the, some of the greatest I mean, you know, what, what, he signed to Jordan, you know, obviously, you know, the greatest player of all time. I mean, everything is there, and there's a team that's built there for him. Um, and they will be doing a lot better than they're doing right now if he was on the floor. It is, it is a lot. And considering, you know, he's 21 years old, and hasn't, hasn't had to deal uh, with, with this level of, uh, you know, just overall uh, criticism and just the situation where people well, unsure about him as an individual, and I think it adds to just a, a spot where um, it's a level of uncomfortable scenario for him, and it's something that will be really important for him to figure out, but that's going to start with him getting healthy. And I know this is hindsight, but do you think it would have been better for him to maybe stay at Duke for another year then? Have 
you know, you know, I mean, it felt like um, I mean, he did. Whether he stayed at Duke another year or not, he was going to more than likely uh, have his family involved in his life as much as he does now. Uh, they probably were going to control some of the, the medical, um, the medical aspects of his career. Um, he was going to have to figure out the diet aspect and all of those different situations that, that we found out were later attached to Zion. I think a lot of them were going to exist, no matter if you waited a year or if you went to a different organization. Um, it just, you know, it, and it, it wasn't like they needed him to dominate right away either. So maybe there's, there's a situation where he has even more pressure in another spot. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, there's some bad luck and some uh, some misfortune involved here that you know you really can't you, you can't attribute to him to him having to do with him just leaving Duke early after a year he was ready everybody expected him they knew he was the number one overall pick and he was NBA ready pretty much day one he was able the first first night out as a professional not even in shape so he has one of the best um, or one of the most exciting rookie introduction on the basketball floor that we've seen, you know, ever. So, um, year two, one, one of the most efficient and dominant seasons that we've seen from a guy in just, who's just played, you know, just a, not even a full season's worth of games yet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't, it's hard to really, you know, in hindsight, you can, you can say well, maybe staying at Duke helps him here, helps him there, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, Zion needed to be in a situation where he, where he was able to grow up and make some individual decisions just simply as a man. And I don't know um, if him staying at Duke was going to help him that much. I think this level of adversity, though, is either going to make him or it's going to break him. And uh, I, I mean, look, some of us have a, some of us hit this wall in life at 21. Some of us hit it at, at an early age. But some people it doesn't come until later down the line. Uh, but he has the right people. I think he has enough people around him to be able to take this and turn it into fuel to, uh, you know, change the course of his career, his franchise's career, uh, and his overall future and the perception that people have about him, good and bad. So about this, how how real is the weight issue? Because you hear a lot of different rumors, a lot of people, different people talking about it. But for you, how real is it? Like, how much overweight is he, or is that overblown? Shape, but then he started to lose weight. Um, I mean, look, 
and I've heard I've heard a lot of different stories about it being happened and what he does, he doesn't do. Um, so yeah, I mean, how bad is it? It's inconsistent, is what I would say for a guy that is just as unique of a of an athlete and just a you know a spectrum as a as a you know, when it comes to a body, you just don't see people that are six 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 seven weighing close to three hundred pounds that can carry it well and carry the amount of of, of uh, athleticism that we watch him when he's on the floor and he's healthy. So um, it's it's an issue mainly because everybody wants him to do well and the inconsistency. Like you don't you don't want that to contribute to what he is or isn't able to do for his future because we haven't seen it. You know, so um, we want him to be in shape. Everybody does, but we have to find out where that where that comfortable level is. Not just for him. But for everybody to feel comfortable, because there was a time when Zion said he got down at two six, like the team wanted to, wanting it too, and he didn't feel himself. So, you know, it might be a spot where you just have to let him just play and figure it out at a certain weight. You know, maybe uh, you know, to a different level, maybe like a Pablo Sandoval, uh, Sandoval the basketball. I don't, I don't know. You know, you're gonna have to figure out what makes him comfortable and what puts him in, what puts his health, his long term health in the best shape of situation. And I'm not sure if anybody's figured that out yet. So, once again. Gotta see. We'll find out once he gets healthy, and hopefully, he can stay healthy. What's the so when you you've heard some interesting stuff? What's the biggest number you've heard, or like the craziest thing where you're like, wow, really? That is kind of wild. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because Zion, you know, and tell me if you think I'm wrong on this. You know, he has a body to where, and I was saying this through the draft process, man. Like, if he has a bad offseason, he could blow up. Like, he could blow up. Like, he has the type of body where realistically, like, if he decided, you know, he's just going to sit on the couch, he's going to eat, he's going to party, he's going to go out, he could come back 330 pounds to camp. Easy. 
He has that type of body. And there's certain people who do have those type of bodies. You see that in the NFL a lot with some of these linemen. And then as they get older, then they, they, they get kind of fat and out of shape. And then they're kind of out of the league. Like, Zion has that type of body where he has to really watch it. But here's what the interesting thing is. The hardest thing in life to tell somebody is when they've been successful at something, they do it at an elite level, he makes a lot of money, he's a quote-unquote star of the league, he's going to make all NBA teams, all-star appearances to say, hey, you need to take better care of yourself. Hey, you need to watch what you eat more. Hey, maybe you should train a little bit differently. Uh, that usually comes as white noise if you're having... A certain level of success. It's a lot easier to listen to somebody who's been humble, so to speak, and they are saying, like, okay, this isn't working for me. I need to really change something if I want to get to where I need to go. But if right right now, I mean, he, he can be bad and out of shape. He's still going to put up his 25 and 12. He's going to make the all-star game. He's going to get marketing deals. He's going to do all that. So why would he change? Some of, if even some of 
stopping me from being successful, if I'm still able to dominate and do things at my own leisure, at my own pace, what am I, what am I really chasing here? You know, um, the comparison that people tried to make when he was out of shape was Shaquille O'Neal, right? Shaq, when Shaq went to LA, the weight started to change, especially once he start, but once he started to really, you know, come into uh, his own in regards to team wins and championships. But at that point, Shaq had proven himself. There was a, it, he was worth the entitlement that he was carrying around. You know, you know, you know, for Zion, it's deeper than that. You know, I think at this point, he hasn't proved anything uh, necessarily when it comes to a to a team and winning and leading and and um, as an overall as a part of something special to carry around that type of mindset. Sure, as an individual, it may work for him. But now you're at a spot to where you've had two lower leg injuries, one one which is hell for big men having that having that foot issue, and we don't know even we don't know if we'll see him this year or if we'll be towards next year. You know that might be the the overall motivation. But surely, if he comes back and he's able to play even an ounce out of shape, and they're able to win basketball games, I think they will be able to win him um, as long as guys around him stay stay up and he's able to as well. It's hard, man, at that high level of an athlete with all the things you have in front of you, all that money, all that fame, all that power, who's going to be the one to come to him and say, and get, get to him? Is it Willie Green? Is it David Griffin? Is it, you know, is it his teammates? Is it, you know, someone in his family? Is it Michael Jordan? No, Zion has to be the one to ultimately feel it. None of us can tell you what point he will reach in his life to where he feels it has to be. He can still be looking at this as bad luck. They had nothing to do with his weight. So... Um, I mean, it's it, it's a really it's a really intriguing situation, man. Uh, I mean, it's you know it's fascinating because I think we all can relate to it in one way or you know, or another. Um, there's some mental hurdles he's gonna have to get over here as well. How do you think this Zion thing is gonna end? When do you think we'll see him on the court next? Well, I mean, last I heard, man, they're they're, they're trying everything that they that they can to, uh, and so is he to get on the floor before the season. Before the season ends, um, if they have it their way, uh, I think you're looking towards maybe mid-February. I think somewhere around the you know, around the All-Star break, very, relatively soon, we'll, you know, you'll start to get an idea about when he, when he's going to retire. If he doesn't have any setbacks, um, I think they're in a spot to where they are trying to be competitive and they're trying to make the play. They're trying to make the playing game or you know series. They're trying to have an opportunity to be a team that's in the playoffs. They want that. They feel like certain parts of this roster is ready for that. They're going to, I think, as long as they don't fall too far behind things, they're going to be aggressive and be buyers in the trade market relatively soon. If you are going to do that, then you have to have some sort of belief that there's an opportunity for Zion to return. And I think that that would put him somewhere in that February, mid to late February area, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks. If that wasn't the case, especially when we're talking about a Jones fracture type deal, I think you would have already ruled him out for the year. Considering they haven't, I think that they believe that he will end up coming back. They gave him a foot, uh, you know, uh, injection recently, which points again to trying to get him back in the flow of things. So, if he doesn't get another, if he doesn't get another setback of sorts, I would say you see him somewhere around February, mid to late February, and we'll see uh, if that happens or what that ultimately means for him and the franchise. If things went sideways, could you ever see them potentially trying to trade Zion, or do you think that's just off the table right now? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a situation where they can afford to do that, man. Not, 
not when you're in New Orleans, not not when you're in that market, um, and you know you you know you've invested so much of your team and your resources into keeping him upright and happy, keeping his situation fluid and going. Um, that's one side of things because now you're in a spot to where you have leverage going forward. There was there was confusion and there was some sort of some sense of uncertainty in which some people believe that Zion will be the first person to say no. Like of of his stature to say no to that rookie extension. Well now I don't think it's any city question going forward. Even if there was to begin with, that he will take that rookie extension. So you're gonna have him for you know additional years after. Now does that now do I believe he's gonna retire Pelican? No. But I think for the near future you can He's going to be on the team, and they're going to look to try to figure out and win with him. They want him to be a part of the future. And then the other side of it is, you know, you if you trade him now, let him be, if he gets healthy, the value that you end up getting for a guy that, you know, teams haven't seen, let's say he doesn't, if things go south and he doesn't play the rest of this year, the value for a guy, you know, of his size, of his weight class, with his um, wisdom, the questions about maturity in a bunch of different areas and you know how serious does he take uh playing playing basketball right now and um the uncertainty about the future of his injury status with knees and feet and just all the things that quote unquote big men have to deal with the value that you give that you get back for him isn't even going to be worth the guy who people compare to LeBron James and people were saying couldn't be you know, one of the greatest players to ever pick up a basketball. That's the type of guy that people were talking about when he came out of Duke, when he came out of high school. So, you know, I mean, just it wouldn't make good business sense on a trade return to even trade Zion right now. Is it completely off the table? Could, could I see it? You know, would I be, um, is there some type of scenario that would make sense? Surely. But I just don't think it's in their best interest to even think about that right now. And I don't think we're anywhere close to, you know, just the franchise even thinking about it. They want Zion to be a pillar, um, you know, of this, of the city, of the franchise. They want him to be a part of the future. I think this, the team will continue to be built around him until they feel like they can no longer take that risk um, for him. So how about this? Last general talent, generational talent the Pelicans had was Anthony Davis. Does he have a more successful Pelicans career than Anthony Davis did? Um, 
if Zion can get healthy, I think that everything is going to be in place and going to continue to move in the right direction for it to be a better situation. And then winning basketball games, having a chance of winning multiple series and being a threat. Um, so, but yeah, if healthy, I think they, they I, I finally had a spot where I believe that they can do it. Um, now, I don't know if David Griffin will be a part of that, you know, or how much longer that will happen in some of those cases. You know, but they're developing areas that they needed to a long time ago for you know, the Pelicans organization. I think that will benefit a healthy Zion. And just from a winning perspective, um, with the, just the, you know, the hunger from the fan base, I think it could be a perfect recipe for him to do more as a Pelican. Um, we just don't know for how long. So let's go to this. David Griffin. How long is he going to be there in New Orleans? There's been a lot of criticism about him. Some fair, maybe some unfairly. How much longer do you think he'll be the GM? Do you see him being a guy that's going to be there for the future to see a Zion develop and mature? Or if he gets, you know, let go 
by the end of this year, as we thought, you know, a lot of us in the community thought that that would be ultimately be his fate. But even if we're having this discussion, and I think a lot of people are unsure about him, I think the organization, you know, could be starting to feel that way as well. Um, and as soon as as soon as that is, as soon as that creeps into the air, you're not sure that you have a product on the floor that's going to be able to win meaningful games consistently. Somebody will end up paying, and whether it's this year or next year or you know another year down the line or after Zion's extension, whatever the case may be, I just don't see David Griffin. I mean, I put it like this: I think Zion Williamson, his last two or three years in New Orleans, whatever that is, I think his last couple years, they won't be under David. Willie Green, do you think Willie Green's long for New Orleans? Will he be there? Man, I think he will. I think he will. I, I think, man, um, Willie, Willie's a, he's an example of, you know, that when you're in that role as a, as a head coach, at the end of the day, man, you, you know, you, you're a manager of people. You're a leader. You're a communicator. You know, those, those are the most important traits, I think, for guys in those, you know, situations. The X and O's, yes, you know, they matter, man. Substitutions. Uh, you know, the way, that, the way that you're able to call the game, call the timeouts and rotations, all that stuff definitely matters. It's a part of it. But at the end of the day, these guys, men and women on both sides, they have to believe in the person, in the head coach, in the person that they see every day in that locker room and that they see every day in practice. They have to believe that that person is going to, you know, really cares about them and is going to put them in the best situation for their career. Each game in, game out, they have to want to fight for him. And while some players, as I mentioned, have made individual upgrades, um, and some they they've made some 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 talent upgrades in a, in a few different positions, they've won games this year after after another tough start. I don't think they win under any other coach. Well he knows how to how to pull the right strings. He's believing in the right people. He's saying the right things. He's you know he himself knowing I should get emotional with a referee there and defend my player here. This time I should stay calm no matter if we're winning games or if we're losing a bunch of games, the same mentality. That wears that that wears off on your players. And I think that they're taking in to some degree the personality of their head coach and it's getting into certain guys that you need it to. Brandon Ingram's playing the best basketball of his career. I think part of that has to do with with Willie Green just being a former player being a really good communicator and having an understanding of what it's like to, you know, maybe not be in Brandon Ingram's position, but be in the league and he can, he can, you know, he has a has a history of playing with guys who been in Brandon's position with, like, around other superstars. All that matters, man, and, and I think he's doing well. The city loves him. The fans love him. The organization loves him. Nobody was going to say a negative thing about Willie. Made him back to his final days in Phoenix where everybody was saying how good of a candidate he was. That's the result of him, even if it's not necessarily taking place in the record books yet you know you're you're seeing it play out the you know um, the exact way you thought it would just for what people have to say about him whether the team loses or wins the game so from that look and that aspect alone I think he's long for New Orleans as long as he wants to be a part of the organization would comparing him to a Monty Williams be fair uh from yeah I mean from some maybe not from their tenure maybe not from Monty's tenure in New Orleans but I would say just from, I mean, look at the fact that that's where, that's where Willie left. He has a lot of mannerisms of a Monty Williams. And I, I, you know, you can't make that up. They're both calm-natured players. They both, um, they both, they're very calculated.
calculated with what they say and what they do and how they react. They're you know they're they're players you know they're coaches that they're a, they're a players coach in one way, but they know how to hold people accountable. They don't do it in a way that's going to embarrass you. They do it in a way to where everybody everybody knows that no one's above being called out, but they do it in a way that makes you feel better. It's not to yell at you, you're grown men. Not to yell at you, not to cuss you out in public, not to berate you to the media. None of those things. Um, and you know, look, I think he learned some of that from being of being next to some of the more calm NBA coaches we've seen recently that, that have had success. Monty Williams is one, but he also remember he also was under Steve Kerr in Golden State. You know, so um, yeah, man. I mean, I I think that you know he knows he and you know another thing with him that I think. I can compare to Monty Williams, especially now, with that it doesn't have to all it doesn't have to be about Willie. He's putting other really good basketball minds around him on his coaching staff. You know, uh, you know, uh, and he's fine with him being around. Mike D'Antoni is, is in as an as an an advisor, right? You know, uh, you know, Brent Benson, who's been talked a lot about as a shooting coach, is still there. I mean, there's um, you know, there's other former former head coaches that he has on his bench. And, you know, I don't – I think the good part is Willie – Willie doesn't have to be the reason that the team succeeds. He just wants to do his part at the end of the day. And that's big, man. It doesn't, it's not about him. He knows that it's not big about him. That it's just – it's not just about him. It's about every part involved. And, you know, I think that some of that comes from his, his history as a player and his overall temperament. And some of it comes from being under guys like Monty and Steve Kerr. Lonzo and Drew Holiday, how bad do you think it looks letting both those two guys go in hindsight? Um, I think the Drew Holiday thing was, was um, you know, that was tough. You know, you, you needed to see what you had in the guy that you just paid big money in Brandon Ingram in an in, in advanced role, uh, even though he had just made an all-star team. You know, you needed to see that. You were coming up in a situation with Lonzo Ball to where the ball, you know, no pun intended, needs to be more in his hands, some added responsibility. They need to see what growth he could make in a contract year. You had to figure out the franchise there. And then it was clear that the team also wanted to put the ball more in Zion's hands from the perimeter. Not saying that Drew couldn't have been a part of that, but if you're in situations where you have to pay people soon and, you know, you're Drew is getting up there in age, I don't know if it makes sense to have to, to be in a spot to where um, you're paying him much longer. Now, on top of that, Drew was set to be up for an extension himself, so that's the real key of it. If Drew had been early in his contract, then maybe maybe you keep him another year or two. But he was up for an extension. Could you afford to pay him big money going forward when you had so many other young pieces you needed to figure out in a new culture of sorts that you were trying to move forward to? I'm not sure. But Drew's an exceptional player, and he was able to show that all through last year, winning the championship with Milwaukee. But then the other aspect of it is, man, is that, you know, um, Drew wanted a change. And not a change. He had nothing he had nothing but great things to say about the Pelicans and the organization, and he said it a lot since. Um, but he wanted to have an opportunity to compete for a championship. And ultimately, I believe that's what it came down to. I think if Drew doesn't show that want, that request, there's a there's a chance that he's still a part of the team last year, and you know you know we'll see what happens going forward with the package that they return or what they got back for him. They tried to go in other directions and it didn't work out. They tried to go to Portland and get a CJ McCollum that didn't work out. 
And I'm, there were other areas as well. It was what it was. But that part I understand. The Lonzo Ball situation only looks bad because you you received, you know, you got back Thomas Adaransky and Gary Temple. While Gary Temple has been playing much better basketball over the last few weeks, you look at guys like Laurie, uh, Laurie, Laurie Markinen, who's playing really good basketball for a winning team in Cleveland. Um, you look at a guy like Zad Young, who is a well-rounded player. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how he's currently doing in San Antonio, but there was a need, and there, there could have been use for him. There was just, it just, you just felt like, you know, or keep him, you know, and figure it out later on. But the return for it and a second-round pick, where if you knew that you weren't going to move forward with him, you could have traded him at the deadline. You could have traded him at the previous trade deadline, which pretty much the same deal was on the was on a board, you probably could have got Laurie and made and had a had a half a season to decide what you were gonna do with him going for on an extension. So, you know, just the overall the overall handling of that lines of ball is not necessarily how things have returned or, or how things have went afterwards because, you know, Devontae Graham has been um I think a pretty good addition for them, made some big time fourth quarter plays and shots for them. I mean, you know, he's a fun and energetic guy. Everybody's attaching to him. He's a part of what is one of the happier locker rooms, even for a team that's inconsistent, um, you know, from time to time, is um, that, you know, you've seen, uh, you know, he's everybody. No one has anything negative to say about Devontae. And, and his on his on court production is massive. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Lonzo's an interesting case. He, he wanted to go to Chicago. That's another, similar to Drew. He wanted to go to Chicago. I think it, it was a clear fit there for him. And, you know, between having three other supremely gifted offensive players to where his role doesn't have to be that much towards, you know, a, a traditional point guard style, initiating the offense, I, I mean, it fit. It fit. It, it's fitting for him. And he's able to really dial it up and play immaculate defense again, um, night in and night out. I mean, you know, I think the Lando situation, if you want to criticize any of it, you criticize how they handled it down the end. But I can also understand that not wanting to pay 20 million, 20 plus mil for a guy that still needed some upgrades as a um, as a penetrator, as a you know as a shooter off the dribble, being able to make plays for others outside of in the transition and some half court looks. I think they wanted a, you know an extra jump in his game, and I, I don't know if it was coming. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. You too. And once again, I want to thank Chris Connor for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 378th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.